holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Welcome to the More Perfect Union, the podcast that offers real debate without the hate. From the right of the political spectrum, we have... DJ McGuire, a progressive conservative from Suffolk, Virginia. And from the left side of the political spectrum, we also have... Greg Matuzek, a common-sense liberal who's about to resign from the Trump administration (laughs) due to us pulling out of Syria. If I actually had a job with the Trump administration from Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'm Mick Mulvaney, man of all work. I'm sorry. I'm not. We we did not replace me with Mick Mulvaney. This might be the only job that I'm still doing. I'm Rebecca Kushwider, a progressive feminist from Kensington, Maryland. And I'm Kevin Kelton, a passionate moderate from Los Angeles, California. It is just two days before Christmas 2018, and this is the More Perfect Union Podcast. Please check us out also at our website, moreperfectunionpodcast.com, where we have commentaries and host bios. And uh, DJ, you had a couple of articles on the website this week, didn't you? Yes, I did. Uh, I have a post on uh, Syria and why we should not be withdrawing. And I also have a post on why the Fed chairman, Jay Powell, is doing the Lord's work. I didn't describe it like that. And why he should stay exactly where he is. Topics that obviously we will cover today. I'm just curious about how the Fed chairman could be doing the Lord's work when we're the moneylenders who we chased out of the temple or something. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. You have an odd definition of the Lord. And I don't know if I... (laughs) Maybe I do want to go to your church. The struggle is the glory. (laughs) It's going to be one of those shows this week, folks. (laughs) Buckle up. (laughs) So the big news of the week is that I was right last week when I said we are going to have a government shutdown. And everybody said, no way, no way. But here we are. We're only a couple of days into it. But uh, guys, what's your take on this thing? Is this just... A little blip uh, that'll be resolved right after Christmas, or is this going to continue into the new year and beyond? Okay, for the record, this is the shutdown that shouldn't have happened. We were so close, and just like the uh, Dreamers, we were, everyone is in agreement, and then someone screwed it up. And Coulter. I know. <laughs> of all people to screw it up, and Coulter? Now, in fairness, wait a second. There was also Ben Shapiro. There was also uh, Laura Ingram. There was also- Oh, don't get me started on Ben Shapiro again. Ben Shapiro and I have beef. <laughs> so you don't. You only get half credit for this okay. being right. Maybe, maybe a third. Okay. Uh, okay. So don't- That's don't. okay, because I'm going to make a prediction in a few minutes that's going to- be my golden prediction of all time. Really? <laughs> really? Your, your golden prediction? Because I listened to your highlight reel from a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and that, that was pretty awesome. You hit some really like like nuggets there. So I had careful. I had a good one in that one. I actually predicted that if the election between Trump and Hillary had been held in October of 2015, I said if it was held this Tuesday, yes, he would win. Yes, which is I, not a bad prediction. That was awesome. And DJ predicted Brexit in that show. I did indeed. And those were all highlights from years past. So uh, my my question while I was listening to that highlight was I wonder like he must have gone through like hundreds and if not thousands of hours of like tape just to find the t- two times that you guys were both right. <laughs> it was Let me say this. I wasn't looking for times that we were right. I was looking for the best of uh, more perfect union podcast. It was painful. Oh my goodness. Are we really not that good or are we just not that right? (laughs) Well, there was also sound issues early on. But anyways, back to what we do here. Our audience should know that we like to 
talk between shows through um, private messages, and I have been predicting for the last couple of days that Trump is going to win this shutdown. I seem to be kind of on an island in that regard. Most of you, I believe, do not think that he's going to come out on the smelling well side. Uh, so we can debate that back and forth, but I think that uh, ultimately Trump is going to get enough money that he can call it a win. And I'll tell you why as soon as you tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I mean, you can give him any amount of money and he would call it a win. Just because Trump calls it a win doesn't make it actually a win. Well, he is going to get more than the current $1.3 or $1.6 billion that was in the most recent Democratic offer. Well, I mean, that's a negotiation. Yes, it's a negotiation. That's, that's a negotiation. Right. So they will probably say... Okay, we're going to meet you a little bit, but he's not going to get five billion. No, but that's not that's not what he's looking for. That is his negotiating position. He wants to come out of this with anywhere is between two and a half to four and a half billion. And I'm telling you, he's going to get more than the one point six, and conservatives will consider that the end of World War II victory. They will consider that a VJ Day. They will be using that little amount of money that they can put towards an actual barrier, and whether it's the slats or whether it's a physical wall. And from there on out, it will be not build the wall, but continue the wall. And I'm telling you, they are going to ring that every day between now and November 2020. But we have gone from a wall that Mexico will pay for to slats. At this point, it's an Ikea wall. It looks like one of those, you know, the bed supports that you get at Ikea that you put your foam mattress on. That is what he is proposing building. I actually think he is going to go to Ikea and buy the wall. You guys could be literal and think that you're like being smarter than Trump. His base, and quite frankly, people who support the idea of a wall, they don't care about the difference between steel beams that are seven or nine inches apart versus a continuous wall. They don't care about that distinction. And it's it's apparent now that they don't care about the idea that Mexico was supposed to pay for the wall. Many of them buy into the argument that Mexico will pay in other ways, like the renegotiated NAFTA. All they want is a structure built along the southern border. And by the way, the reason that he went to the slats is because the initial $1.6 billion offer was for border structures, but not a physical wall. And they're going to use that as a loophole to take that $1.6 and add it to the amount that they're going to get to start building a wall. I'm telling you, all he wants is 50 miles of some continuous structure that he can put along the southern border and have photos of him standing in front of it, People standing in front of it, border agents standing in front of it, Mexicans standing on the other side. <laughs> they will ring that bell as a giant victory for their side. And frankly, I think it's going to be very effective. I am rather amazed that we I, – I could have sworn that the calendar actually says this is December of 2018. I, I, I'm pretty sure Christmas is two days away. And more to the point, I'm pretty sure that election 2018 was six or five, six or seven weeks ago. What we know from election 2018 is that the number of Americans who want, need, and apparently lust after a wall are not enough to actually win an election. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over 10,000 wine grape varieties worldwide? Here's to thousands of gift possibilities. My go-to holiday wine is Chardonnay. I love it with turkey and potatoes. Pile on the gravy. Let me show you our more than 8,000 party-perfect wines that are in your budget and out of this world. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers! So, 
even if Donald Trump gets something for his wall, and I am not necessarily going to say Kevin is wrong because I don't necessarily think he's wrong. I said it before in private messaging. <laughs> well, that's nice. <laughs> I said it before in private messaging, but I'm not so sure now. Uh because I, what I think will actually happen is I think that the two sides will come together and what they will say is, OK, we will let you have money to design a wall, but we're not going to let you have money to actually build one. Uh, this is sort of what the, the Democrats did when Ronald Reagan said he wanted uh, the strategic defense initiative, i.e. Star Wars. The Democrats said, no, we'll let you we'll let you design it in a lab, but we won't let you actually deploy it. And that worked very well for the Democrats until Bill Clinton got elected, and he said, no, actually, I'd rather deploy SDI, thank you very much, and that was the end of that. But in this case, I think Donald Trump getting money for designing a wall but not building it might be enough, and I could be wrong here, it might be enough for him to declare a victory without Democrats declaring a defeat. But more important, even if Donald Trump can get some some structure that keeps brown some brown people out of the country— that is not enough to win an election in 2020 because it was not enough to win an election in 2018. So the fact of the matter is any Democrat running for president is, has 60 million votes right out of the get-go before anybody even bothers with voting recruitment in 2020. Hey, in the highlight reel, was there anything about the time I said we should just let him build the wall and take the wind out of his sails like back when he was first inaugurated and Kevin told me that was a terrible idea? It wasn't in the in the real, but I do I do remember you saying that. I still think it's a terrible idea. It wasn't a terrible idea. Okay, let me. <laughs> it's okay. Listen, this is why we call it real debate without the hate. Even though none of us are fans of Donald Trump, within our side of the political issue, we still have varying degrees of or, or different ideas about how to get there or what's going to happen. And I think that's what makes our our show fresh. No, what makes our show fresh is our striking fashion sense. If you guys could see Greg right now, you would understand what I'm talking about. He's, sure. he's, sure. he's wearing a crown. He is the lord of the revels right now. I am. I am. He's wearing but- a paper gold crown. Because <laughs> that's how I roll. Don't come at the king. <laughs> but I have to agree with Kevin. That was a terrible idea, Rebecca. It was not a terrible idea. Oh, yeah. we It was so terrible that we were like, how long is she going to stay on this show? She's, she's <laughs> off, right? She's off. She's off next week, right? No, we never had that conversation. (laughs) Not only is that crown on Greg's head, but it has clearly gone to his head. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, let me me jump in and tell DJ lovingly why I think he's incredibly mistaken. DJ, the first part of why I think you're off base is you assume that there are people in the Trump White House— who are as informed as you are about the minutiae of the Reagan administration. (laughs) So right there, I think your entire theory falls flat, because I guarantee you that no one in the White House knows that that's how the SDI issue was settled. Actually, no one anywhere knows that. DJ's the last holder of that knowledge. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I I think James Baker probably doesn't remember that. (laughs) He's listening into this right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how we did that. Cool. <laughs> speaking of fashion sense, speaking of fashion sense, DJ's even wearing a Star Wars shirt. <laughs> I am indeed. He is. He is, and it's not the movie. It's the it's the defense initiative. It's for, and I'm pretty sure. So I did not spot that. Well, DJ, I I give you credit for being prepared for this show. Um, <laughs> I do what I can. The, but but here's the other reason why I think you're um you're misanalyzing the situation. Or analyzing it differently than me. And here's why. You're thinking about the 2020 election. And as I mentioned to you guys yesterday, and I posted on Open Fire, people who think this is about the 2020 general election are missing the forest from the trees. This is about not November 2020, but January of 2020 when the first primaries are being held. Because right now, Trump is not concerned about winning re-election. He's concerned about possibly getting primaried and maybe not even being the candidate of the Republican Party in 2020. Now, I know conventional wisdom and lots of people listening to this podcast think, oh, Trump's base is so strong. 80% of the Republican Party is, is behind him. He's, you know, he's they can't leave him or anything. I am telling you, that just as we said at the beginning of this podcast, when Ann Coulter, Rush Limbaugh, 
Ben Shapiro, Steve Ducey, Laura Ingram, and, and several other heavyweight conservatives started to remove themselves or separate themselves from Trump last week over the potential of him caving on the border wall, he and his political people looked at it and said, oh my God, is this the beginning of the erosion of our base? And someone in the White House looked at him and said, Mr. President, if you cave on this, I have two sets of two words for you. The first is Lyndon Johnson, who did not get the nomination of his party after a devastating showing in New Hampshire in 1968, and George H.W. Bush, who did ultimately survive a very contentious primary fight from the right by Pat Buchanan, but lost the presidency because he buckled to his original promise of read my lips, no new taxes. Coulter came out and said, if he buckles on this, I will not vote for him. And you could say, oh, that's just her being hyperbolic. In the White House, they are taking that seriously. Trump right now is hanging on by a thread, and that thread is the loyalty of that 38%, his base, or the, or the conservative base. And if he slips even five points off of that, he's a dead man walking, possibly, maybe not getting the nomination in 2020. That's what this whole shutdown is about. So- if, if no one in the Trump White House knows who Reagan is, there's no way they know who Johnson <laughs> and Bush is. <laughs> to say, I will take that stab right in the heart. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll just let that one sit. And two, I honestly, I agree with you in a lot of that. But two, I honestly don't think anyone in the White House cares. I think that they just go day to day. Let's see what let's see what happens today. Roll the dice, raggedy man. I don't think they follow. So, I'll let it go. DJ, say something smarter than me. Go for it. <laughs> okay. That won't was delightful. Be, won't be as funny, but it'll be much smarter, and I'll I'll accept that. You know what, Greg, my son asked me who the funniest person on this podcast is, and I told him it was you. Really? Yeah, it, it is, is you. you. It, it is, is Greg. That, that, Not that the is most delightful out. person, because that's you. Why, thank you. <laughs> that, that, that is she. That is also correct. <laughs> that is also correct. I am, I am the most pedantic, didactic, and annoying. I know at all. <laughs> uh, and nice. the fact of the matter is, Kevin gave a very articulate and eloquent argument that completely avoided <laughs> the point that both Rebecca and I were making. Neither of us said that Donald Trump does not feel he has to go Balls to the wall for the wall. Yes, I went. (laughs) What we are saying is that there might be some area where Democrats can give him some funding for wall design. That's what I'm specifically saying. Rebecca's point was more broad. And that Democrats can still do that without really suffering much damage in 2020 because the wall is just not that popular. Okay, so just to just to button this and go on record, my prediction is that he will get somewhat more than the current 1.6 offer that seems to be on the table. I think it's going to be north of 2.2 or 2.5 billion. I think it will be for building a physical barrier. So I am disagreeing with your prediction, DJ, mm-hmm. and I think that conservatives are going to feel like they won this standoff, what I call a Mexican standoff, pun intended. I'm not going to put a fi- I'm not going to put a number because I don't know what the number is. I think it will all be for design. It won't be for any building. And yes, the Trump and proletariat will call it a victory because they really have nothing else left. I don't think Nancy Pelosi will bring anything to the floor for a vote. That is over 1.6. I think she okay. has, she, yeah. she told him what she was willing to do, and she doesn't even have to bring it to a vote. She's going to be the Speaker of the House. Well, look, they're going to have to vote on something. And I'm telling you guys, Mitch McConnell said, and I believe him, he is not putting a bill on the Senate floor unless Trump has already pre-agreed to it. Now, he did this once before with Merrick Garland when he said, I'm not bringing him to a vote in the Senate. 
And he didn't, and I have no reason to think he won't follow through on that same threat again. If McConnell doesn't bring a bill to the floor, there's no budget, and he's not bringing a bill to the floor unless Trump approves it, which means it's got to have money in it for his wall. Spending bills all have to emanate from the House. It is not up to Mitch McConnell. So I, I do agree with Kevin that this is going to be a long one. I think this will I think this will take a while. And yes, I think Trump will tr- will try that kind of silly nonsense. But so long as Democrats hold firm and say, "Look, dude, the Secret Service people that protect him aren't getting paid," is that really the way you should treat these people? At some point, I'm convinced that if you just give if you just tell Trump, "Look, we'll give you some money to design the thing, but not to build it," he'll call it a victory. And his people will call it a victory. I could be wrong, but we will see. But yes. It will take – it will go into January and quite possibly into February. I do agree with you there, Kevin. Oh, hell. I think it's going to go to March at this point. Okay. Okay. Now, there's a third way out of this, by the way. There's a third way out that really solves everyone's problems. Okay, but you know and what? That- Nuclear bombs in Washington, D.C. are very disruptive, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> they will mess up traffic. Nobody wants that. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the nuclear option, although I know that's not what you were you were referring to. But um, the third possibility is that all good Americans just take $10 or $20 that they maybe got on a gift card for Christmas, and they put that towards the GoFundMe to to build the wall. Everything about that is making my weekend. I'm so amused by the GoFundMe. Someone donated 50 grand. One really? person, yes, one Holy person donated $50,000. So all these, you know, e- economic anxiety people can go shove it up their ear or in their ear or up their ass. I don't even know. Um, so yeah, so- there's a GoFundMe to build the wall. Some individual started it. I, but I he's like not a normal person. He's like some crazy right wing website owner who like has, you know, headlines like Michelle Obama eats puppies for breakfast. Guess what she <laughs> sprinkles on them. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he's not just some some guy with an idea. <sighs> He's, you know, he's sort of an underground operative. Yeah, he's he's a clickbait guy. He's right. a clickbait guy who sends a lot of headlines that I see because I actually still get TeaParty.org emails because I always love I always love to read what those idiots are putting together, and it's you know it, it's it's crazy stuff. It it it's it's just one step above chemtrail nonsense. And here's what you worry Trump and the conservative base. I did a little math, not necessarily my strong point, but I did a little multiplying and dividing. So far, he's raised, this guy has raised $6.3 million through GoFundMe. Now, let's assume that uh, the average donation was $60. I read it someplace. That means approximately only 300,000 people in the country have donated to this thing. So how popular could the wall be? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it wouldn't wouldn't it make more sense if they act if the GoFundMe actually gave that money to Mexico who's supposed to be paying for the wall in the first place? The one thing that that's not funny. The one thing that's not funny that does chafe my ass about the story is that GoFundMe will shuts down regularly people who try to set up pages to help legal aid to people who um illegals or people who are trying to get in the country who need legal aid. So if you start a GoFundMe page to help people who are trying to become citizens or who are trying to cross the border and who are like stuck in these detention centers and say like need legal aid, they shut you down immediately because there's some ruling about helping people who have committed a crime or something like that. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> so legal aid is forget about it. But starting this ridiculous wall, sure, we'll take your money. What's going on, guys? You're tuned in to the More Perfect Union podcast, Real Debate Without the Hate. That's my boy. Can we please talk about Syria and the Fed now? Please. Yeah. Let's talk about Syria and the Fed, DJ. What do you want yeah. to say about Syria and the Fed? And do they go together or not? While all this was going on, uh, Trump also announced that ISIS had been defeated. This was news to not only ISIS, but everybody else in Syria. And that he was withdrawing all troops from Syria because supposedly we had won. 
at least that was the story on Thursday. By Friday, he was then saying that, no, other people should be fighting ISIS instead of us. With all this nonsense and going around. And by Saturday, we found out that it was a phone call from Erdogan where, who told him to get the hell out of Syria so that Erdogan himself could take it over. Right. And then when Trump said, OK, fine, we'll do that. Erdogan said, oh, wait, fuck, I didn't think you'd actually do it. Don't do it immediately. I'm not ready to take over northern Syria yet. Uh, that's true, folks. Look it up. Uh, oh so the fact of the matter, well, all this, basically the defense secretary, Jim Mattis, uh, said, you know what? I can't deal with this shit anymore. I'm leaving. I'm going to hang on until February so you can appoint a replacement. But I think allies are important. I think our commitments are important. And I think facing down and standing down our adversaries in Moscow and Beijing are important. You don't. So you should have a defense secretary who doesn't either. So I'm leaving at the end of February. Trump this morning, because we're recording this on Sunday, said, you know what? Mattis, you can go on January 1st because I don't like you. You can't quit. I'm firing you. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're putting the deputy in charge. Who's actually a fairly decent guy, but that's another issue. No, um, no, he's, he's a defense not. contractor. He's not he's not somebody with any military hey now, or Hey now, I'm a defense contractor. Be and should now. you be appointed Secretary of Defense? Uh well, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, we, I think we actually we should be grateful that it isn't Mick Mulvaney. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's getting stretched a little thin. Because he's yeah, busy. Mick, Mick Mulvaney acting, secre- a- acting everything. Yeah. Uh, Mick Mulvaney's yeah. actually going to win an Oscar for everything that he's acting. But what's, what, what is actually important about this, and I know I did the intro, so I'll, I'll try to keep this brief. I'll fail, but I'll try. Yeah. Is that this is, for those of us who call ourselves never Trump conservatives, who said, look, there are things that we care about that, you know, a lot of folks on the left don't care about, it, and apparently a lot of Trumpers don't care about either. Uh, this is this is crazy shit that's going to go down. Stuff that we do not think makes sense. Things like, oh, say, cutting and running in front of an enemy because you want Rand Paul and the and his Paul and his Paul bots to like you. Uh, these are things that we will have trouble with, and these are things that are going to happen. We were told by Republicans and members of the Trump and proletariat. Oh, that's not going to happen. Oh, he's not going to do that. Oh, you're exaggerating. Now it's actually happening, and all those people are saying, oh, well, of course it's the right thing to do. Oh, well, of course he's draining the swamp because, well, Donald Trump said it, so obviously it must be right. The very people we tried to warn, and granted, this does not matter to any of the three of you, and it doesn't matter to a lot of, of, of our listeners who are of the center and the left and who don't understand the, inter- the, in- the, the machinations of right-wing arguments, and I get that. But for those of us who are never Trump conservatives, the, the Syria withdrawal and the Afghanistan drawdown, where the Taliban has already said, hey, guess what? We actually won after 20 years. This is the exact thing that we warned would happen. Nobody listened to us, and now it is happening. And now we have to hear from the Trump and proletariat and all these Republicans who said, well, of course it's what we wanted, even though we told you it would never happen. We want it now because Trump said so, and, well, he is wonderful, and MAGA, and drain the swamp, and you're just a snowflake. We were told that Trump admitted, he said, I don't know that much about everything, but I will hire the best people, the most knowledgeable people. And he did for a little while. And now they've either quit or they've been indicted or they won't even work for him. So what happened? What are we left with? We're left with the incompetent Jared or the the scummy or the swamp. So his whole promise of... Although I don't know anything, I will hire the best people. That turned out to be a lie, and now people won't even admit it. I agree with everything you just said, except when did Jared become incompetent? He seems to be the most competent person in the family. It's only because he's competent at not getting caught. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's what he's good at, is not getting caught. Ditto Ivanka. Okay, well, it seems to me that that the... the, the the danger of this is not only what Trump is about to do, because as a, as a somewhat pacifist Democrat, I'm really not sure what the right thing to do is in Syria and in Afghanistan. And I'm not sure if, if, a, if a Democratic president had made this same move, I might support it. So I can't say for sure. But this is a precursor to things that I am definitely against. For instance, Trump 
trying to pull out of the Korean Peninsula. I think that would be a huge national security mistake. Trump may be trying to pull out or weakening NATO. I think that would be a huge mistake. These were two lines in the sand that Mattis was able to stand against, and without him there, I don't know where we are. Among those of us who believe that Trump is mistaken to pull out of Syria include, of all people, Noam Chomsky. Noam, bring them all home no matter where the hell they are, Chomsky says. I actually don't think we should pull out of Syria. Wow, I did not know that. Well, I mean, you know what? Here's the thing. There there does come a point where many conflicts are unwinnable, where it is just a loss of blood and treasure on foreign soil, and it and you cannot accomplish the goals that you set out to accomplish. However, unilateral, hasty withdrawal is not the answer to these problems. I just keep remembering the end of the movie Charlie Wilson's War, uh-huh. where... where um, Tom Hanks's character can no longer get funding for this weird CIA op they've had going on in Afghanistan. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace, you know, says to him, no, we, we have to build schools. We have to build roads. Otherwise, the crazies are going to come in. And that's what we're leaving when we walk out of these places like Afghanistan and Syria. We leave a vacuum. And what fills those vacuums is never anything good. Okay. So speaking of filling a vacuum, what about the Jay Powell situation? It seems that for now... Trump has been talked down from this crazy idea that he could fire the Fed chairman for raising interest rates. But DJ, long term, where are we with this? It seems like a, a very precarious situation to me. Oh, jeez. Uh, you, know, you know it's bad when when the Secretary of the Treasury has to put out a statement that he, he, he talked to all the big banks and that they're okay and they have enough liquidity. And, oh, no, this is nothing like 2008, which is the perfect way to make everyone think, oh, fuck, this is exactly like 2008. <laughs> um, yeah, when I saw the word liquidity floating around on Twitter from people like Kai Rizdahl from NPR, I'm like, no, shit, don't, no, yeah. don't say liquidity, don't say liquidity. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's like, uh, um, it's like Richard Harris when he played Marcus Aurelius and he talked about there was a dream that was Rome. Even if you, even if you said it as a whisper, it would vanish. Liquidity is like that. As soon as you actually see liquidity in a press release, it's gone. It's out there. <laughs> it's never to be seen again. Also, it's, uh, you, you, let's let's take for a moment and savor the fact that um, Mnuchin was was having this conference call from like the beach in Cabo. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, because he's he's ungod he's ungodly rich, and even if the Treasury Department does shut down, which it did, by the way, he can still fly out to the Caribbean and uh, and spritz around in the surf while he's talking with these people. Well, DJ, DJ, explain to me. I mean, okay, first of all, I here's what I know about the Fed, and it's nothing. So I know that interest rates couldn't go anywhere but up because they've been at rock bottom for so long. But what you know? Why is it so unprecedented for a president to fire the Fed chair? How do Fed chairs happen in the first place? Well, let, let me take a swing at this one because, in broad terms, Fed chairmen are appointed to four-year terms, and during those four years, he's supposed to be totally independent. So Donald Trump firing the Fed chairman in the middle of the four-year term that Donald Trump appointed him to would be like firing a Supreme Court chief justice because you didn't like the way a certain ruling went or trying to fire the special prosecutor because you didn't like that he was investigating you. The president and the Fed have to be separated on some level so that the Fed can do what it's supposed to do. The president has a treasury department and they affect certain monetary policies, but the Fed affects different sets of monetary policies, including interest rates. And just because the president doesn't like interest rates going up doesn't mean he gets to fire the guy that he just appointed about, what, six months or a year ago, whatever it was. Okay. Okay, so here's a question for you guys. People are now anticipating that a Mueller report is going to be coming out in maybe February, uh, maybe an interim report, but clearly it's going to have a lot of information in it that we've all been speculating about now for two plus years. Uh, what happens if he issues a report that says that Trump broke a lot of rules and did a lot of things technically wrong, but didn't actually break any laws or, or, or Mueller cannot prove he broke any laws? 
Where would that leave the country? Where would that leave the Congress? What would be the outcome of that? Yeah, you know, someone asked me that today. They they asked me that yesterday, and uh, they said, "Would you be cool with that? Would you like stop raging against the machine?" And and I just answered that in the in the biggest like dick way. I was like, "But he did break laws." <laughs> And, and it all came back. I was like, so this is what it was like, you know, when the Republicans wrote all these, like, what were there, like, eight congressional hearings, and Hillary actually didn't break any laws. And they kept saying, but she did break laws. So I would like to think that I would be mature enough, and I'd be like, okay, on to our next battle. You're right. He didn't actually break a law. He didn't actually... You know, pay off. He didn't break an FEC rule. I actually wrote about this this morning on my um my Medium page. Um, oh, I've got to see that. Yeah, it. Um, By the way, give the uh, give the URL on that. Uh, if you go to Medium dot com and look up Rebecca Kushmeider, there I am. If you can spell Kushmeider, bonus points. Um, <laughs> So we all put so much weight on this idea of what Mueller is going to divulge or what the Southern District of New York is going to come down with or even what the New York Attorney General is going to do. And, you know, and and I was seeing headlines this morning, Trump presidency in peril, presidency in case it's not in peril. There, there is no actual peril. There are investigations happening there. His job approval rating sucks because he's bad at what he does. But if Mueller came out with a report tomorrow that said, yeah, I can't prove he broke any laws. That puts us in no different a position than we're in today. We have an incompetent, malicious president um, who is doing things that are bad for the nation, bad for the world. And our job as citizens is to push back on him. And we've been doing that rather effectively for two years, and we need to keep doing it until the next election. Well, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. My apologies, because I haven't weighed in here. Uh, And, well, I think I'm important. You all may disagree. <laughs> but you keep is- living that delusion, DJ. <laughs> exactly. I have said this before and I'm saying it again. Regardless of what Mueller reports, Michael Cohen's plea deal has shown that the president was invo- that the president orchestrated a straw donor scheme that he maintained as president by lying about it. That sends people to jail, like Dinesh D'Souza, or as my Facebook friend Doug McConnell calls him, Dinesh DeFelon. That or is Michael in- Cohen. That is impeachable with a capital I, all by itself. So I would be very happy if the House Judiciary Committee says, you know what, fine. If Mueller is saying there's nothing impeachable here, there really is something impeachable over here based on what the Southern District of New York had because that would be true. And keep in mind, I was one of the people who still believes to this day that Hillary Clinton was engaged in criminal behavior regarding Whitewater and Madison Guarantee Savings and Loan, and I voted for her anyway. And as I said earlier, the fact that she didn't get caught means you voted for the right criminal. <laughs> Speaking of the right, criminal, what about Michael Flynn and his sentencing shitstorm this week? My God, that was this week. Yeah. Was. <laughs> oh my gosh, we live in some sort of alternate timeline where things just move slower. It seems like months ago, doesn't it? Yeah. So Michael <laughs> Flynn goes into court. Are you sure they- we're not all on Star Trek Voyager? We went through the wormhole. <laughs> You know what? It is so, the week before Christmas, and for my kids, time is passing glacially. So maybe that's what it is for us too. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, well, my Christmas gift, of course, would be Michael Flynn behind bars. I don't know whether that's going to happen, but we won't know until March because a judge in D.C., I believe, heard the the government uh, recommend zero to six months for Michael Flynn said that he had been a good Boy Scout and a wonderful national hero during his. His service in the U.S. forces, which he has been. Yeah, sure. But a judge heard that and said, what I'm seeing here is potentially treasonous behavior, and I'm not ready to cut this guy any slack. So where does that leave us? And is that a kick in Mueller's balls, or was Mueller just being nice to Flynn because he provided a lot of info, and are they really kind of happy that he's not going to get away with murder? 
I think it was a message. I think all of this has been telegraphing messages. I think Mueller wanted people to know that good things happen when you show up and tell your story in an honest and straightforward fashion. I think the judge wanted people to know that... That treason isn't cool. That treason isn't cool and you shouldn't commit it. And if you've got something to unburden, you should come unburden yourself to Mueller and maybe you'll get a deal at the end of the day. I, I like how you say treason isn't cool because it's like, you know, I did some light treason when I was younger. I mean, well, who hasn't? <laughs> Wasn't that Roger Stone? Didn't he say those words exactly? <laughs> sure. You know, I was in college. I experimented. I, d- I did some treason, but I didn't inhale. <laughs> I didn't inhale. Yeah. <laughs> the More Perfect Union. Real debate without the hate. Available on iTunes and Stitcher. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're well 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 into this podcast, and every sentence has had the word Trump in it. So let's kind of refresh ourselves by getting away from the president and commander in chief and talk about the Democrats, uh, specifically a little mini drama that's happening right now on the Democratic side of politics. Between Beto O'Rourke, who apparently is showing growing strength as a potential 2020 presidential candidate, and the the so-called Bernie bots, who apparently have some type of subterfuge campaign against him. What's going on there? Uh, you know, I, I saw a headline about it that the Bernie bots are coming for Beto O'Rourke. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's about his voting record or what. But here's the thing that I, ideologues are very bad at keeping in their minds. A representative is elected to represent the best interests of a particular constituency. And if I had to guess, I would say the Bernie bots think that Beto is not pure enough on something. But chances are good that it's not because Beto is deeply flawed, but because Beto was doing what was best for Texas. And When you can turn around and see that a representative was doing something because it was in the best interest of his constituency, because he was bringing something back home to the people who sent him to Congress. In Texas, let's just be clear, not just Texas, but a specific congressional district. Right. El Paso. Right. And so if, if that, if you can point to that, what a, what a, that a, a member is beholden to his constituents as opposed to a special interest. That's actually something admirable, and everybody needs to back the hell off when it happens. Uh, yeah. Okay. And first of all, if if I hear the word progressive <laughs> in quotes, capital P, co-opted by these people, like oh, like they're the first ones who have ever used the term progressive, I will freak out. Because I've been a progressive and I've been a liberal for like, I don't know, I'm super old. and About I'm, 70 years, I think. Oh my gosh. I will freak out and yell at everybody who's on my lawn. I mean, <laughs> I will grab one. I mean, I mean, it will be too. It, it will be I, I feel too. like this is about to launch into the, you know, the, the Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner, thousand year old man sketch. Oh, yeah. I, I, oh yeah. Like, two thousand year old. Two thousand year old man. I'm sorry. I'm but she's only seen half the half I've, the bit, Yes, I've so. only seen half the act. <laughs> um, and no, speaking I, of people that are a thousand years old, why don't we give a shout out to Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Oh, she's only eighty-five. <laughs> oh, come on, come on. Nice. boo! No, no, no! I'm I'm sending a shout out to the infamous RGB or whatever R-B-G. they call it. RBG. RBG. What did I say? RGB. Yeah, and earlier <laughs> I think uh, Greg confused her with a rocket-propelled grenade. That yes, was before we started recording. Yeah, because she's like the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but let let let's let's all raise a glass to the fact that she tripped and fractured a rib a few months ago. Because in the course of getting a rib X-ray, at least this is me speculating. In the course of getting a chest X-ray, they noticed, hey, there's a thing on your lung. We should biopsy that. And she gets on a train the other day and goes to New York. Where she's talking to Katie Turr, the the reporter on the train, like, oh yeah, I'm here, I just got some work to do, going to New York. She was checking herself into Sloan to have a lobe of her lung removed because she had um, a an in situ malignancy that they've now taken out. She's no evidence of disease anywhere else in her body, so she's perfectly healthy and doesn't need follow up care for it. But she was phoning in decisions from her hospital bed before they wheeled her to the OR. She is truly de bomb. 
What was that decision, DJ, that you said that she ruled on? One of the decisions that she phoned in on was a decision upholding the, and I think it was actually Judge Sullivan, it got up through appeals and such, that said, no, Mr. Trump, you cannot tell people who apply for asylum that if they apply for asylum outside of a port of entry, that they're automatically denied because, well, that's not what the law actually says, you fucking orange moron. (laughs) <laughs> that wasn't it. We had to say the word Trump again. We had to ruin it. Uh, this was this was a really yeah. I'm sorry, but no, but that that is actually what she did from her hospital bed. She can't, and it was the deciding vote because it was a five four vote. Where the Supreme Court said, "No, we will not release the stay on that decision." You, executive branch, if that's okay with you, Kevin, cannot refuse to hear an asylum application just because it didn't go through a port of entry. Okay, and to wrap up, I want to ask you guys, now three of you have what I consider young children. My children are all over, well, almost 18 and older. Uh, But you guys have younger children, and and Christmas is still ahead of us as we record this two days before. So I'd like to ask you on a happy note, can you tell us, since your kids don't listen to this podcast, what they're getting from Santa? Uh, My, one of them, one of them's getting a ukulele. Ooh, the musical household of the of the Matusaks. Yeah, yeah, really. they 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 both they both play ukulele. They're they're both very talented, um, and they both play uh, all, a plethora of instruments. But the youngest one, who's nine, wanted a a new ukulele because she's been borrowing mine and her sister's, but she wanted her own. So she got a ukulele, and the other one got. Uh, not tickets to rent. Oh, she, oh, I can't, I don't know if I should say this is loud, but she got an iPad, a brand new 12. Sweet. Uh, That's so, cool. Uh, yeah, that was very cool. Nice. So very, it's Re- nicer than my setup. So, you know. Rebecca, yours? Oh, there's a lot of books and art supplies going on, a lot of gift cards. Um, my big one is getting a new laptop so that he can run Steam games because apparently Ooh. I've been uh, neglecting that aspect of his gaming world. Yes. I don't even know what Steam games are. Don't tell me now, though. I'll look it up. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's just a platform. Um, and uh, my my little one, you know, she's she's still young enough that like a giant stuffed animal is probably going to be her favorite big gift and, and – uh, and some, you know, cool drawing supplies because she loves crafting and things like that. Okay. And DJ? Um, my son turns 16 next month. Oh, my gosh. 16. Yep. Are you yeah. teaching wow. him to drive? Uh, no, I'm leaving that to his mother. <laughs> actually, <laughs> which which is not good. It should actually go to his older – to his, his, his older half-brother uh, who is my – actually my adopted son – uh, my my oldest adopted son, who is the best driver in in his and God knows any other family, uh, he's far better than his mother or me. Uh, but in any event, uh, see, this I, is on- the beauty of blended families. You have more options to teach your teenagers to yes. drive. Yes, exactly. Isn't that the case? But I, tr- truth be told, I, I I I punted my kids a gamer, and so I got him a bunch. Of, I got him some. I got him Xbox money uh, for Christmas. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that's oh yeah, that's, he, a, was, that's a that's a win. It, yeah. it is. A win. It was a win. He was thrilled. So yeah, yeah. and yes. um, I will I will add to that that first of all, before I talk about gifts, I also have a uh, a high schooler uh, about to turn eighteen, and we've been uh, trying to teach him to drive all year long. He actually has his third professional driving lesson coming up in 15 minutes. But I I agree with you, DJ. I can't do it. I can't sit in the passenger side. I'm a nervous basket case. <laughs> when when I see when I see a light pole coming at me, I can't go, um, excuse me, you might want to hit the brakes now. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and to to give another shout out to my oldest adopted son, this kid was so or he's a man now, but when he was a kid, he was so responsible driving, I actually felt comfortable falling asleep while he drove because i know like he's he's nothing is going to happen with him because you know whatever his other faults and he's human we all have faults i knew he was the most responsible driver of anybody within three counties i was gonna say i'm 45 years old i still don't think my parents would fall asleep in a car i was operating (laughs) my parents won't even drive with me i'm that bad of a driver <laughs> yeah, my parents are my parents are dead, and they would become zombies just to make sure I didn't crash. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you 
Did you get uh, Elliot a car? Uh, no, I haven't gotten him a car. <laughs> but I will tell you that my oldest, Max, who our audience heard on the first bumper earlier, uh, is a um, a sports casting aficionado. He calls basketball and other sports for UC Santa Barbara. And I asked him today what he wanted for Christmas. And he told me he'd like a lavalier mic. So we have another broadcaster in the Kelton family. And Elliot uh, found out about a week ago that on early decision or early action, he was accepted to his first choice, Emerson University. Or Emerson College, I should say. So his gift will be a quarter of a million dollars in college education. (laughs) I was going to say, Emerson is like the Miami University of the West. Yeah. It's, that's yeah. A, call it that's that. a great school. That's a great school. So well, that's what we're celebrating this this Christmas well, and, and Hanukkah. Off. Yeah. Thank you. And we want to thank everybody in our listening audience. We love you all and wish you all a Merry Christmas or a Happy Hanukkah, whichever, or Quonset for that matter. Whatever it is that you celebrate, we wish you the best of it. We also ask you to please follow us on Twitter at hashtag MPU podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash more perfect union podcast. And please share our link on your Facebook timeline and on Twitter so your friends can discover us as well. And if you like to discuss politics and would like to debate with us between shows, please join our Facebook debate group, Open Fire Politics. We're all there and we would love to see you there too. Gang, what would be on your list of things you'd like from Santa? Uh, I got a Ben Shapiro punching bag. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and now I want to have a play date over at Greg's house and punch his Ben Shapiro. Holiday tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. My friends still rave about the Prosecco I brought last year. Let me help make your Friendsgiving unforgettable. Bordeaux is one of the world's most popular red blends, made from Cabernet, Cab Franc, and Merlot. It also makes the perfect gift for your picky boss. Having turkey and all the fixings? I suggest an easy-drinking Pinot Noir. For white drinkers, try an unoaked Chardonnay. Whether you're entertaining or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection with you this holiday. Now offering same-day delivery at TotalWine.com. Cheers!